Hello, creeps. Welcome to the Crypt Keeper's Coffin. The Tales from the Crypt Retrospective brought to you by Bat and Spider. Episode 49, Maniac at Large. Chuck, yeah. for uh, chiming in late, I was busy paying my morgue edge. <laughs> morgue edge. Uh, it's funny, when he said that line, stupid Chuck didn't realize that morgue was the uh, the pun there. Um, I thought I thought it was, I thought he was saying like morgue edge, like an edge of a knife. That's how dumb I am, Dale. Chuck, it's not about dumbness. It's not, you know, it's just it. In a one person's interpretation of uh, the Crypt Keeper's puns. Our Crypt Keeper. And his inflection, his inflection was like, edge. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, so, yeah. Thank you for making me feel like uh, I'm not that dumb. Yeah. So, yeah. Our Mr. Crypt Keeper was, what was he doing this week? His little play was like, he, he started a real estate business. What did this have <laughs> anything to do with this episode? I don't know. I think they got it mixed up with a different yeah, episode. I, yeah, right. right. <laughs> they just, you know, they had so much comedy gold that they had to get this out in case there was going to be a vignette about sales and real estate. I think it was about, um, you know, since murders in the neighborhood, property values are going down or something like that. It's a stretch. Sort of. They were stretching, Dale. Like pulling, the, they were pulling yeah. that taffy too thin. You could see I through know. that taffy. Mm-hmm. Uh, welcome back, kids. Uh, this is the Crypt Keeper's Coffin, the show that covers everything that is Tales from the Crypt, episode by episode, movie by movie. And this episode is Maniac at Large, directed by F- John Frankenheimer, starring Blythe Danner. Dale, who, what, I, I know Blythe Danner, but for some, like, Wild. and I recognized her, and I'm like, yeah, she's great. I know her, love her. What is, what's yeah. her famous role, though? Well, yeah, probably most famous for uh, us would be she was the mom and meet the parents. Oh, okay. Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. She was also in the great, great movie Future World. Oh, never saw Future World. Which, uh, you know, if you if you know, you know. I love those I covers. I think I might yeah. have had the CED of Future World or Westworld. I can't remember which one. Do you, do you know the CED format? There were... Uh, it was a failed media format that were, it was like a, a big cassette, big plastic case, and inside was a, yeah. a, a record, basically, that, but it played movies, like through a, really? a stylus, spun the record. And, Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. It was, uh, yeah, it was, I think it was RCA uh, Select Division was one of the names. And uh, when I was much younger, I stumbled across a player and a bunch of discs in a in like a thrift shop 
and I bought the whole thing. And yeah, you know, this player weighed, I mean, this thing weighed like, it was like a piece of industrial equipment. <laughs> like it was the size of like an old VCR from like the early eighties. But if it weighed, you know, I don't know, 20, 30 pounds, it felt like a lot. And the discs were wow. heavy. I mean, imagine vi- like a vinyl had, if every record you owned was encased in like old plastic. Um, yeah. Just imagine the weight that would pile up with, with a, having a bunch of those discs. And wow. So unfortunately I, I yeeted those out of my life long ago, but now as the obsessive uh, collector I am, I really wish I still had them, but whatever. So, wow. That's, so it was a, it was an analog medium. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, there was a bunch of wars going on. Like, like there was the, the beta and video war, but there was also like a jump to, to do some sort of disc format for movies. So there were, there were, there was this one, which was a physical disc. Uh, that read with a stylus. There was Laserdisc. And yeah. there was another one that I just learned about that was in between that didn't even get a US launch, but it was in Japan for maybe like 10 years. It was pretty popular. Uh, wow. That was called Look VHD, I think. Analog video disc. VHD was like, uh, I think it, they looked like Laserdisc, but the it was physically read as opposed to a laser. I think it was a physical thing touching the disc. I don't know. Um, but yeah, they're fascinating. <laughs> yeah, dude, this is amazing. There's a, uh, I've been getting every, every like year I get into this guy, Techmoan on YouTube. You ever watch those videos? Mm-mm. He, oh, no. He's, he's this British guy that's just obsessed with, uh, mainly old tech. He does new stuff too, but it's mainly old stuff and he's got videos in all these formats and they're, they're super interesting. He gets really deep. The last titles released were The Jewel of the Nile by CBS Fox and Memories of Video Disc, a commemorative CED given to many RCA employees involved in the <laughs> CED project, both in 1986. Wow. I didn't know it made it all the way to 86. Jeez. I had either Westworld or Future World. I think I had Empire Strikes Back. And, the, you know, the quality That's- wasn't great. It was like maybe it was basically VHS level quality. Um, yeah. Right. But it was just so fascinating. It's like these maniacs spent like R and D money making a record that played movies. Like that's fucking nuts. <laughs> I'm reading. Sorry. Uh, no. um, in some cases, if a movie's theatrical running time was o- was only slightly longer than two hours, studios would often trim short scenes throughout the movie <laughs> and or employ time compression in order to avoid the expense of issuing two discs. Yeah, because it what was it thirty minutes aside. Or no, 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 it was 60 minutes. 60, yeah. And you had to flip it. So like if anything ran longer than that, (laughs) that's so funny. That's crazy, man. CEDs were also larger than VHS tapes, thicker than laser discs, and considerably heavier due to the plastic caddies. Yeah. Wow. They were very heavy. That's wild. Thank you for that uh, trip. I I can't believe I never knew about that. Yeah. I mean, when I, I, I found out, what, what year was that? God, it must have been like. 99 or 2000 no Mm -hmm. like 2001 i think i found the player and i was just like i saw it in this shop and i was in i was like what the hell are these things like i had no idea what i was looking at (laughs) but it was like it was a star wars movie in this like weird plastic case i was like what is this (laughs) wow and the guy told me all about it and i was like yeah i don't have any money but i'm whatever money (laughs) i have i'm buying all this crap yeah The old shopkeep look like the the uh, bookstore <laughs> owner from Never Ending Story. Oh God, he's like uh, barking at you. I love that store. I don't even know it. It had some generic name, but it was all just like 
out-of-date electronics and movies. And I remember even buying, before I got into like the stuff we talk about on the podcast, like I, I knew nothing, but this one day I bought like three or four Something Weird releases on VHS there. And Something Weird is like, like they're still kind of around. They still do like, you know, they have a huge archive. Like they used to release their own stuff on VHS, but mm-hmm. so like a lot of the movies like you, you'll, we'll get now from like Vinegar Syndrome and Severin, they'll prints they're working off of are from the collection of Something oh. Weird. And I, I think Frank Henenlotter ran it, helped or he co-ran it, Something Weird. Yeah. But but like I remember picking up a bunch of tapes and I never watched them, but I was, but I knew, <laughs> I was like, I didn't recognize any of these titles, but I was like, I knew there's something about this I need in my life. <laughs> Like the wow. closest thing I had was like mystery science theater, but I just wasn't, yeah. I don't know. I didn't have the the knowledge or like any mentors or friends that were into it. So there was like no way for me to like, I don't know, get into it. I didn't, I didn't yeah. understand what I wanted to get into yet even. Right. Amazing. Yeah. Anyway. Amazing, Chuck. Let's talk about uh, Man- Maniac at Large, Dale. A city librarian tries to keep her cool while a homicidal maniac terrorizes the city. What we got here, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, takes place all in one night, all in the same set. It's in a library and we're sort of focused on Blythe Danner, who's, she's a newish librarian. She's sort of like, how would you describe her character? Like, I don't want to say like meek. But she was... Yeah, I was going to say mousy. Yeah, <laughs> like, like scared of yeah. her own shadow, kind of, you know. like Yeah, very know. very paranoid um, and, unaf- you know, afraid to speak up. Yeah. Or take a stand, you know, be confrontational. Yeah, she's like her, her boss is, what's her name? Mrs. Pritchard is the, the head librarian. Like, she's this very domineering woman who like... You don't like Mrs. Pritchard much, do you? I don't care for the way she treats people. She's always bossing everybody around, acting so damn high and mighty. When we first meet her, she's like yelling at kids for hanging out in the library. Uh, I guess they were writing something into the the library desk, and she gets them kicked out. <laughs> yeah, did you see what they're Did you see what they're carving? No, what? <laughs> EC Comics. <laughs> I didn't see that. Yeah, that was cool. Oh, that's cool. With it, I mean, they were very they used a white china marker which was nice it's easy to i mean that can't comes right off just rub that off with some windex that was yeah it was sweet of them it's very to not. considerate of those hooligans <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah i was like these kids aren't even they're not i mean they had a they had a knife like they had the uh the switchblade why didn't they carve yeah. the ec comics into that desk what kind of chumps are these it, I, yeah i didn't get what they were so weird. What they were getting at. Yeah. Maybe because deep down they, you know, they respect, like the head of the gang really respected the library and he, and he saw it as a yeah. place that he could go to. Oh yeah. So he, he let his boys kind of play around, but <laughs> the line was drawn. After he, after he stole that old man's newspaper with mm. the switchblade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Talk about libraries. I mean, this was. The thing I appreciated about this was how it did, like, I don't know if you've ever hung out in a library in like a city, like the biggest city I probably lived in was Providence and I would go to the library a lot. And, and it, it is true. Like it's like the way they depicted it. There's a lot of uh, like street folks, like homeless people. And that's where they go to hang out all day. And it's yeah. like, you know, it's partly a sad thing. It's an, in, definitely an indictment on our, <laughs> our government and society and where we are that we don't, 
uh, take care of these people and that right. they're forced to like go to like the one the one open government building that will stand them, which is the local library. Yeah. That'll let them hang out. Yeah. So I was I, I was appreciative that they kind of showed that sliver of what, what it's like uh, at a library like that. But I thought they did a good job of doing that. There was a lot of, you know, different walks of life and yeah. slices of life going going in and out of that place all all the episode. It was really cool. Even a random creepy uh, British guy. British nerd obsessed with serial killers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was the worst one. What was he doing there? Very uh you know, didn't know his boundaries. He's walking behind the employees only oh, yeah. counter. Oh, so many people were behind that counter. It was driving me nuts. Ridiculous. I mean the the whacked out homeless lady I could understand because she was singing her song and she doesn't yeah. know the boundaries, but that guy was back to come on. You know the rules. No. Yeah, dude. <laughs> He's probably one of those ones where he, he thinks he like he's half worker, you know, because <laughs> oh, yeah. he's there so much. Yeah, you know. he starts calling everyone by their first name, and they're just like, "I yeah. don't know who you are." <laughs> <laughs> like when you would uh, spend all the summer at like Legends Toys and Comics in your local <laughs> mall, and uh, you know it gave you it like almost like it gave you rights. To, yeah, <laughs> I lost a friend to that one summer. Oh my God. Tell me. Hanging out and playing magic all day, like over top of the co the comic bins. Uh-huh. Like they'd put like a cardboard box down and then they'd turn into like a, a game tabletop. Yeah. And and he would go, he would go open till close oh, and hang out in that store, man. Man, it's a sickness. I mean, yeah. everything's a sickness, but. Everything's, yeah. Wow. Everybody's sick. Uh, so that was cool and simultaneously not cool because it wasn't, well, including me. Oh yeah, so totally. I became yeah, you know yeah. irate. I remember I went. I loved my comic shop so much, and when I became age of age to like start applying for jobs, I applied at my comic shop. And I remember my friends, my like fuck up friend. I mean, I, with all since with all love, my fuck up friends drove me there to like drop off the ac application, and like like we're all oh. like, teenagers smoking cigarettes in the car, so like somehow. <laughs> Like two cigarette hole burn holes and got onto my application, and <laughs> but I was like, "Fuck it, I'm here anyway." And I and I told my friends to not come in, and like yeah. I, I don't think I understood what I was doing at the time, but I knew that they were like, if the guy running the store saw who I was hanging out with, like he might not hire me. And now I like feel right. immensely bad about that. <laughs> but my friend, yeah. I'm sure my yeah. friends, I, I think they gave me hell. I think they came in yeah. anyway because I don't fucking care. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, yeah. No. Good for them. My first day at Camelot Music. Yeah, yeah. I've talked about Camelot. My first day. Oh, love Camelot. My first day, I'm getting my tour around the store with the manager and stuff. And I see my two friends walk in. They knew <laughs> it was my first day. And, you know, they weren't like the best people. <laughs> and I see one of them like oh, two no. rows over. Totally, I could like totally see him cracking into the security of a jewel case. Like, oh, Jesus, come on, guys. And I knew exactly what he was doing, that mother effort. And like, I was squirming. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. Ethically, I was put in a bad spot. Yeah. You were, you were the cops all of a sudden. And you yeah. But he was, <laughs> but he was doing what he would do any other time he yeah, would yeah. go there, you know? Yeah. Jay Your off. First day. <laughs> My first day. I, I I was I, I'm talking to my manager. I'm like distracted because yeah. the manager doesn't know who they are, but I know oh, them too. And I see God. one like 
like he was like he was like humping the side of the CD case because I could <laughs> I know he's like putting all of his physical force into cracking oh open God. all that media, Dale, and for what? I can't even I, give I know. it away now. I know, <laughs> dude, you're you're so right. Seventeen dollars for the new Mariah Carey, Jesus. Oh my God, you're so right. I remember being store. just irate at the like. Whatever the year that was, probably the late 90s, it, it got up. Like, that was, like, the highest, like, a new album would be. And I was just, I was just like, this is, like, even then mm-hmm. I knew. Like, I remember reading, like, Rolling Stone articles. Like, it, it cost, like, it cost them, like, half a penny to produce a CD, you know? <laughs> and I was just, like, yeah. so mad about that. <laughs> right. And then you, there would be, like, 10 tracks on the album. Yeah. Ugh. It's like, dude, for real? Come on. I know better. I mean, now, but still. A lot yeah. of that money was just going to record companies. Yeah. And they blew it. All right, Dale. Uh, this so, episode. <laughs> um, so our Blythe Danner character is constantly, he's she's reading the paper, Maniac still at large, mm-hmm. another one found in the park. And everybody she sees in this library is giving her vibes that anybody could be the killer. Yeah, it's like, it's one of those every everyone is a red herring. So it, and it's so much so that you're like I checked out like almost immediately cuz I was like oh, okay, like everyone this episode is just going to be like every single character I'm going to suspect. <laughs> and it's just done it's just so overboard that I'm like I don't care. <laughs> like it's not going to be, you know, one of these people I know it. But yeah, and it's like it not much happened. It's just sort of her like working late and being an, you know affected by weird library customers and like her boss being mean and and musical the uh, and musical tension is yeah. like helping keep us on edge i guess yeah. you know and like weird things happen like she goes down to the basement and she thinks she sees a guy with a knife stabbing someone so she gets the security guard grady who was i loved he was my favorite character but then he turned into a creep <laughs> yeah. downstairs i don't know <laughs> Yeah, totally. <laughs> he like, did he touch her hand? Like, he took a swig yeah. from his his secret stash of liquor and then touched the librarian's hand. I was like, what? Yeah, he started like weird diddling turn. her fingertips with his fingertip. It was yeah. creepy. With his one glove. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. What was that glove he was wearing? Enfor- it was probably what they would call an enforcer's glove. Really? Are you serious? Are you messing know. with me? <laughs> Not as, no. No, I don't know. What an, I just made it up because it sounded amazing. Glove. I think Chuck, I think maybe one of your next characters wears an enforcer's glove. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. I can't think of a better name for a glove like that. Like a black leather glove with the fingers cut off. Mm-hmm. That's the perfect name, Dale. Thank you. Yeah. Trademark. TM, TM, TM. <laughs> the one bright spot, my favorite part was when uh, what's his name? Richard Keel? Jaws showed up? Banging on the oh my gosh. glass. That's Jaws. Totally right? unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what is he doing here? Totally unexpected. Yeah. I don't I even... mean he was probably still somebody at this time. And he definitely wasn't in like the the main credits. Oh my god. And I forgot all about Adam and oh, he played the British guy, of course. Oh yeah. He's not the weirdo, right? Is he the weirdo or is that Gary Glitter? Yeah, it's Gary Glitter. Yeah. Forget I said it. Forget I said it. 
I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of weirdos, but I, I know, I know Gary, Gary Glitter is like, yeah, whatever. We don't yeah, need to okay. talk about that. <laughs> right. I apologize for getting anybody confused. Oh, and Clarence Williams. He was Grady. He was good in this. I mean, he looked oh, yeah. like downtrodden civil servant drinking. He was like, had this greasy, dirty look to his uniform. It's unkempt. You know what I mean? He had these like big smeary glasses like Stallone and Nighthawks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Sloans were pristine in Nighthawks, you know, but this is what happens. Like, Grady's version pair were what happens if you let them go to pot and you don't you don't clean them on the rig and you don't look like <laughs> yeah. Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. Dale, we got to watch Nighthawks together. I love that movie. So do I, man. It's, it's amazing. Years ago, my friend Carrie, who I knew through comics, she told me to, I think I was on Twitter, like asking what to watch. She said, Nighthawks. And I was like, okay, whatever. I was blown away. I couldn't believe I'd never heard of this movie. Mm. This this is like, that movie needs more respect than it gets. Like way more respect. Yeah. It's never talked about. It's never mentioned. Never, ever. Never, mm. ever, ever. Dang shame. Yeah. Yeah. And it all culminates into uh, Blythe Danner just finally freaking out and deciding that her boss is the maniac and stabbing her to death in her office. And that's how it, <laughs> that's how it ends. You think I'm the murderer? Now you want to kill me? Oh, don't, oh, touch don't. Me. don't touch me! Don't touch me! So I guess the implication is that Blythe Dan, no, that isn't even the implication that she's the maniac, right? She's not the killer. She um, she just like was driven she, crazy by the idea of a killer in the city, right? No, I think she implied she like implied or or turned herself implicated herself um, when she said, "I know I just started here, but it's time for me to move on again." Oh, I think that's, that's right. where. Yeah, okay. yeah it was kind of like. Yeah, I'm the person that's getting so paranoid and suspecting everybody else is a killer that I'm defending myself and murdering. Wow. So she's just like an anxiety-induced killer, I guess. I mean, maybe all killers are like that, actually. <laughs> yeah, right? The man, some they form. do it out of fear. Just do it out of fear and paranoia of yeah. some kind. I liked her performance in this. She played meek and, and mousy if there's a... Yeah. And then at the end, when she did murder... Mrs. Pritchard. It was a pretty cool turn how she was able to um kind of kind of turn on a dime. Yeah. But maintain her paranoia. Like she's definitely convinced herself that she's not the one she needs to watch out for, you know, that uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's just defending herself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. She did a good job. I yeah, I don't know what it was. This whole episode just didn't ring it I didn't have fun with it. It just, I don't know. I, there was nothing for me to latch onto. I think I was just like, I think I figured out the whole setup like really quickly. I was just like, oh, okay, they're just going to try and throw red herring after red herring. I was just, I just wasn't into it. Um, yeah. But it, it drug out. I mean, it was a long episode for yeah. the uh, them trying to just constantly mount tension on top of each other f- until the very end. It was, it was sort of exhausting to just. And I think the fact that it all took place in one night in the library too was like, once I realized that's where this was going, I was like, ah, oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. when it, what do they call that in a sitcom? Like the 
trapped in a closet episodes they do when they like run out of ideas <laughs> or they they write an episode where everyone just gets trapped in a closet and yeah. they just talk to each other for 25 minutes you know yep <laughs> that's what this kind of yep. felt like to me <laughs> it, it did it did yeah and uh it was fine it was fine yeah i, I like the plot and the payoff but it was too long and they just tried to mount so much they tried to wrap you tight and keep you wired yeah um with constant escalation and it was it it, it just got too long in the tooth especially with the whole interaction uh, the multiple interactions with with adam ant it was his final one was just like way yeah. too um red herring ish. I know. It was really you know? it got really annoying. Like ten times yeah. he walked to that door to leave and came back. You know, it was just like, all right, come on. <laughs> Get out of here, yep. Mr. Ant. I know you're not the killer. Right. You just want everyone to think you are. John Reginald Halliday Christie. Doesn't look like a killer, does he? But he was. Huh. And a necrophiliac to boot. Not like our man. Whatever our man looks like. I mean, for all we know, our killer could be some dapper little man in an old trench coat and who wears little round glasses. <laughs> <laughs> We've had it. Dale, what are we doing next week? Next week is entitled Split Personality, A Swindler, Jack Loves Money, and Twins. One day he meets rich twins that show interest in him. Um, this stars Joe Pesci. So this episode, Ooh. I have recollection of seeing this back in the day. Oh, cool. Because I remember Joe Pesci. Burt Young, Heidi Thomas, Troy Evans. Whoa, Burt Young. That's great. Jacqueline and Kristen Citrone. Uh, but Joe Pesci, I mean, he's the, uh, the main guy here, the main stallion. Um, oh, yeah, yeah Burt so Young. this is like, yeah, Burt Young from Rocky. He plays uh, yeah. Rocky's friend, Adrian's brother. Um, directed by Joel Silver. Oh, wow. So he's somebody. Yeah. He's like, he was like a big producer, right? Or I mean, yeah, still is probably, uh, this is the only thing he's ever directed. Interesting. But he's produced a ton. The Warriors, Roadhouse, Die Hard, Last Boy Scout, Demolition Man. Am I in love with this man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was, he was like the eighties, nineties action guy. Like he was, uh, yeah, he was it. Demon Knight, Bordello of Blood, The Matrix, man, goes on and on. Written by uh, Fred Decker, Stephen Dodd, two names that are on almost every episode, I feel like. Yeah, frequent, <laughs> frequent contributors to yeah. um, this. Stephen Dodd, especially, Fred Decker's been on there a couple times too. So that's fun. So this is about twins, huh? Oh, this reminds me of, oh God, remember the that great king of the beach episode guy oh the twins the oh. conjoined twins episode man that was a good one i forgot about that yeah that was a good one that was one of the early greats so mr pesci's gonna have to bring it if he can is he gonna top that guy that that episode with the uh yeah with the twin theme good luck joe yeah good luck guys thanks for listening uh we'll see you again next week ta-ta love you happy saturday
the crypt. <laughs> City life got you down, kiddies. Looking for a home on Derange? Well, look no further, because I got exactly what you want. It's a charming tomb with a view. Think of it as your own little house on the scary. <laughs>